How about we don't try and make food perfect because it's not perfect, just like life's not perfect. If you're recycling, that's awesome. But you also need to look at all these other pieces and you don't have to be doing them perfectly. The first step is reduce, then reuse, then recycle. They are in order. Get inspired by people fighting to make this world better for everyone. This is Unwasted with Imperfect. Hello, and welcome back to the Unwasted Podcast. I'm Riley Brock, and it's my honor every week to talk with experts in food, health, sustainability, and generally making the world a better, tastier place. Now, it would be an understatement to say that health has taken on a whole new significance in 2020. Even before COVID-19 hit, health and wellness in modern America was big business and a growing feature of our social media feeds. However, is this obsession with health actually making us healthier? Is our society focused on the right aspects of health? And are we viewing health in a fundamentally healthy way? Now, today's guest is a functional medicine doctor with a refreshingly holistic take on the world of health. She's here to shed some light on this complex and often misunderstood field. Tiffany Lester, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. And I should I should clarify, it's Dr. Tiffany Lester, correct? <laughs> it is. It is. I worked hard for that, that yeah. two letters. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure you, you, sp- you spent years of your life uh, getting that those two letters. So I want to make sure to include them. Dr. Tiffany Lester, it's a pleasure to have you here. You know, today you're a practitioner of functional medicine, which is, I feel like, still something of a niche field, but I get the sense it's growing. For folks that don't know about it, what is functional medicine and how would you distinguish it from more traditional medicine? Yeah, it's functional medicine has been around at this point, I think 20, 30 years. So it's not brand new. I mean, in the whole scope of medicine, it's, it's new, right? Um, and I think that when I always meet new people and they're like, what kind of doctor are you? And I'm like, oh, okay, so here we go. Let me <laughs> describe what functional medicine is. And some people have heard about it and some people you know, have this like look over the face, like I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, So, I mean, I describe functional medicine as like looking at the root cause and getting down to like what's really going on. And I think that, you know, functional medicine and conventional medicine, they often get kind of pitted against each other. And and it's not really that, you know, it's, we need both. Um, And right now the majority of our healthcare system is defined by kind of conventional medicine and it's focused on fixing like the symptoms and not asking like why you have those symptoms in the first place. Yeah. So in that way, it's a little bit outdated for the chronic diseases that most of us find ourselves wanting help in. And because it's, it's split up into these different silos or specialty, it's like no heart problem, go to the heart doctor. And you're like, but what about my arm Um, that hurts too. And is that connected? And so, you know, functional medicine is really looking at like the dysfunction by the causes and not the symptoms. And it reframes how we think about disease and how everything is actually connected in the body. And so, you know, I think it, I think it is the future of of medicine um, Mm. because what we have been doing, I think hasn't been serving us as a collective you know, yeah. you see, especially in America, you know, our healthcare system is, especially with COVID, we're just like, what's happening? Why can we not handle this? Yeah. Um, and insurance premiums, the people still aren't really well. So hmm. that's really fascinating. You know, how did you first get into medicine and how have your opinions about health and medicine changed the more you've practiced it? Yeah, I think I always say functional medicine found me because I had <laughs> no idea. And and honestly, you know, I, I knew from probably 
middle school that I wanted to be a doctor um, and didn't really know there were other options, even like naturopathic medicine, didn't even really know. I was like, oh, this is like the path and found myself in med school getting really just not as excited about what I was seeing and what you're in it. And I was like, you know, I keep seeing people coming in and out of the hospital and there's repeat um, patients and like people really aren't getting better. So like, what am I doing? You know, yeah. prescribing medication and people are getting relatively better enough to go home, but I'm not ultimately changing like the trajectory of their health. And that's not what I really signed up to do. Um, so I honestly was going to like get my MD and figure out what else I was going to do. I was like, this is not, what I want to do with the rest of my life. And then I ended up taking this integrative medicine elective with a bunch of my friends, <laughs> the fourth mm. year of med school to just like get a free massage and, you know, not be in the <laughs> ICU, let's be honest. Um, and I just got exposed to all these different modalities. Um, and there's different names for it, like functional medicine, integrative medicine, holistic medicine, but it's really just about what are the foundational aspects of health that we all need and that we're not necessarily getting. And so I just fell in love with it. And um, the rest is kind of history. Wow. So yeah, it's interesting. So it, it started. <laughs> it started off as almost a side project or just something you're curious oh, about. Yeah. Interesting. And then it really has evolved since then to become your your main focus in your professional career. Yeah, I think that. I mean, my conventional medicine training was amazing, and I'm yeah. really glad that I had that. Um, And I hope that the future in terms of medical school training will include more of the training that I had to get like after, you know, and learning Chinese medicine and functional medicine and nutrition and the things that I wasn't taught in med school that I actually really wanted to learn. Um, And so, yeah, it began like this whole like love affair. And I feel really lucky to be able to practice medicine every day and treating like the whole person and get to talk about people's diet and like what they're eating and their stress levels and relationships and like all the stuff that matters, not just like, Oh, I have a headache. Here's a medication. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's less, you're, you're trying to focus on less acute kind of crisis intervention and more like holistic maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I'm not saying we don't yeah. need that. Like if sure I get in a yeah. car accident, God forbid, you know, like, please fix me. Yeah. No, that's a great <laughs> point you make. And it's a l- it's a really interesting distinction that you're making that, look, this isn't about either or, this is about both and. And that's such a powerful, inclusive Mm -hmm. message to think about in terms of our healthcare. Something that's fascinating about healthcare is that it's something that, I mean, obviously doctors know a ton about, like you, you spend years and years of study to get your MD. It's the general public often either doesn't know a lot about health or has these kind of weird misunderstandings or misunderstandings conceptions that are, you know, propagated by the news and by trendy diet books and, you know, whatever, wherever you get your health knowledge, it's, it's kind of an incomplete picture for a lot of us, I mean, myself included. Um, I'm curious to hear, you know, in your career as a, a practitioner, what are some misconceptions about health you've run into? Uh, for me, you know, I, I grew up, um, in the age where like the iPhone didn't exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> the internet. So I'm like dating myself, even though I feel young. And so it's been really interesting to see like that evolution that you were talking about, just in terms of access to information and, and what do we do with that? Right. Because now we have more information that we even know how to handle. Um, but we're still not healthier. And Mm. so I think that there's in some ways this misconception that if we, 
or I think maybe we just haven't used it in the way that it really needs to be used in terms of technology and and where we are right now in our country um, to to leverage that to really make us healthier humans um, because there's so much information and I talk with people all day, right? And they're like, I saw this thing on Instagram where there's a new diet and da da da. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm like it all sounds great, right? Um, but I think that people don't realize like medicine is personalized. Hmm. Um, and what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. And so, you know, outside of the foundation, like maybe you should not have ice cream every night after dinner because, you know, the sugar content. But when you get into those like nuances, people are really confused about what they should be eating and nutrition. Um, so there's that. And then I think people, when I see them, you know, we also live in this like quick fix culture. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and often healing doesn't work that way. And often healing isn't linear. It's not like, Oh, you identify the problem, get a diagnosis, get the treatment, get better. And so me, I consider myself to be a primary care doctor because I just love everything and the whole body. And so yeah. what I've seen, you know, especially when you work with people over years and years, it's healing is not linear. We have, we have hiccups and it's, you know, it's hard. If you've ever been on a diet or tried to like incorporate a healthy habit, like you're going to mess up, you know? Um, and you're like, Oh, let's just get back on it. And so that's, that's one of the misconceptions. And then also, um, that if you do all the right things, quote unquote, using like air quotes, that like you shouldn't get sick, hmm. you know? Um, and so I see a lot of that and just like frustration, like I'm doing all the right things. Um, and it's like, what are the right things? Like really defining that because, yeah. you know, you can be exercising every day, eating the healthiest diet, but if you like hate your job or you're in an unhappy relationship, like that's going to affect your health. Mm, interesting. Well. So yeah. So you can't just box in health <laughs> into these couple narrowly defined bands. It sounds like no, is what you're saying. No. I wish it was that easy, but it's yeah. <laughs> it certainly would be a lot simpler. Yes. It, it strikes me. I, I love that you bring up this idea of the age of the iPhones. I really think that has changed how a lot of us view health because now it's literally in your pocket. You can Google your symptoms. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. know, I've heard about, I guess what folks are calling kind of the WebMD phenomenon where a lot of folks oh, will come to someone. Yeah. I, oh, so I want to hear you taking this because I know I've come to my primary care physician and said, well, I'm really convinced it's X because I spent yeah. a while you know, on my couch <laughs> looking at my symptoms. And, you know, if you don't arrive at the conclusion, it's cancer, you normally arrive at the conclusion that it's some weird niche disease that WebMD has you convinced Absolutely. it is. But Absolutely. So what is, what is this like from your end as, as a practitioner? Yeah. I mean, um, so I practice in the Bay area, which you know, I think every kind of population I was trained in Cincinnati, Ohio. So it's just like people have different mentalities. And what I noticed when I moved out here about four years ago is, um, not to just stereotype or character, but people are just like much more like informed and there's a lot of like optimizers and they're like reading all the latest thing and biohacking and, you know, it's just like a different culture here. Yeah. Um, and so I actually welcome that. Sorry, six. It makes me a better doctor. Hmm. Um, but there is, there's like a fine line between like somebody like Googling too much and, and it's the resources that you're looking at and to really make sure they're like valid. And there are some great resources out there, but you just have to be able to discern that. And, and it can be hard for like the average 
person yeah. to know that, right? But I'm always willing to have the discussion and we laugh about it. And sometimes we're just like, just, just stop. <laughs> just trust yeah. me. I promise you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but I actually, I think it makes for like a better conversation and it, it shows that people are like invested in their health, hmm. which is, you know, what I want. That's good to know that it can be a good yeah. thing. You know, from from your perspective, how could folks be better patients? Like what's the level, of, what's an appropriate <laughs> level of research or what, what are helpful things to do before you see a physician, for example, to be, to ask the right questions, but not like arrive necessarily with some WebMD, you know, doom and gloom conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's, it's kind of really knowing your story. So part of functional medicine is, is spending that time with someone to know their story. So like my first visit with someone is like an hour and a half, you know, mm. and, and you need that time to really get to know someone. Um, and so sometimes it can seem like disjointed or people aren't really clear, haven't spent time kind of defining that. And so I think the better, you know, your story and your history, that's really helpful. Um, and the more in tune you are with yourself, because I think that we, you know, I've, I call myself like a healing healer because we're all, we're all on the journey. Right. Um, and yes, I, people come to see me because they want answers, but often I find that people have the answers within themselves and I'm there to like assist them. And, and, you know, I do all the fancy testing, especially that's a big part of functional medicine and doing like looking at their microbiome and doing stool testing and saliva cortisol and urine hormones and all of that. Um, but the testing is just one part, right? It's, it's not you. It's not, it doesn't know your story and your background and, you know, even your ethnicity. And so mm-hmm. it's taking all of that and, and taking the testing in some way with a grain of salt. And my job is like putting that all together with you. And so the better that you kind of show up, then we can partner for you to get better. Um, yeah. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, it strikes me. That's a remarkably thorough approach. What you just said, you take an hour and a half sometimes to onboard somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy. I mean, when I go to the doctor, I don't think I've ever spent more than about 15 or 20 minutes tops with the so doctor. Typical. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of in and out like you're getting your car serviced or something. <laughs> no, you're like, it's like literally your health, your body, your mind. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, that's um, why I said earlier, like I feel really lucky to be able to do what I do because I think it's all about that relationship and trust yeah. um, that you have. And I think a lot of that's getting, has gotten lost in the healthcare system. Cause it's like, mm. does, does this doctor like really know me? Like we spent like 10 minutes together. Yeah. Um, that's and it's really... not the fault of the doctor. It's how our system is set up, but mm-hmm. yeah. That's super fascinating. You know, you're a strong advocate for often overlooked aspects of health, things like digestion and sleep. Mm-hmm. Why are these, why are these baseline bodily functions so crucial for our health? Well, I think they're foundational, especially sleep, right? I mean, um, and I am no stranger to not sleeping, you know, especially during medical school and residency and be like, no, it's fine. Um, And older I get, I'm like, oh gosh, no more all-nighters. But I think that sleep is so foundational and it's, it's something that is accessible to, to everyone. We all need it and we all do it. And, and a part of my, you know, being in the wellness space, there is so much that I think is not accessible. And, and I love all that stuff, like all the, 
you know, adaptogens and potions and CBD and like, I love it all. But I also recognize that like, for most people, they're like, I just want to like, have a good night's sleep, wake up rested, do what I need to do. Like, tell me how to do that. And so I think that sleep in particular is when our bodies literally like detox from the day, even our mm-hmm. brains. And, yeah. and if we're not doing that and we're not resetting, then we're just accumulating these toxins in our body. Um, and eventually that has negative effects. And like I said before, like the whole body is connected. And so you're like, Oh, I have a sleep problem. And people don't really identify as that. They show up as like, I'm having headaches every day when I wake up or even having digestive issues and it's really connected to their sleep. Um, Hmm. But the microbiome is also really foundational. And especially now, you know, I, I probably talk about the immune system every day uh, with my patients during the pandemic. Right. And people are like, how can I boost my immune system? And I'm like, well, it kind of all goes back to your gut. Like, yes, you can take the vitamin C and the vitamin D and the zinc and, and all those supplements, but we're all getting exposed to viruses and bacteria every single day. You know, yeah. right now COVID is like the, the big thing, but how do you really maintain your health regardless of what's going on? Not to say that anything can't happen, but you know, I think that people kind of forget about the microbiome and our gut health and 80% of our immune system is in our gut. And so if that's healthy, then you're able to fight that even if you get exposed or if you do get exposed and get sick, it's not as severe. So. Whoa. I did not know that you said 85% of the immune systems in the gut. (laughs) 80%. Yeah. 80%. Wow. That's mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I I also read something, you know, to the point of uh, your point about um, gut and mood that uh, the majority of your serotonin receptors are actually in your digestive (laughs) system, which totally blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's, and that's the other thing. It's like, you know, Typically, if you go to a doctor and you're like, oh, I'm not sleeping or like I'm having these mood swings or not really eating well, don't have an appetite, not sleeping. And the doctor will be like, oh, you're depressed. So you have a diagnosis, which then usually leads to treatment, which is antidepressant. But it's like, well, what's really causing that depression? You know, Mm -hmm. is it because my microbiome is imbalanced and I'm not producing enough serotonin? Is it because I'm like eating a lot of fish that has mercury in it and that can cause a depression am i on like a ppi which is a heartburn medication and that's depleting my b12 which is really important like there's so many other reasons and um like that part is fun for me to like connect that to be like oh this is really why like yeah sometimes you need an antidepressant but oftentimes it's like oh we actually need to fix this and then you feel much better Interesting. So it, it sounds to me like you're, you're asking kind of the harder follow-up questions that for whatever oh, yeah. reason are, are kind of left out of traditional medicine. Yeah. I ask all the questions. So luckily I'm a curious person. Otherwise yeah. <laughs> I would, I would imagine you have to be in your line yeah. of work, right? It, it yeah. would be really hard to be a doctor in your position. If you weren't curious, if someone's like, Oh, I'm not sleeping. You're like, Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay. I, I want to get to gut health, but you did bring up sleep and this is super top of mind. Uh, in yeah. 2020, I know a lot of people, uh, myself included, who've had sleep problems, frankly, mm-hmm. this year, because Absolutely. of just, there's a lot of anxiety in the air. People are eating differently. They're working differently. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing their mm-hmm. friends, uh, physically in person. And yeah. this stuff all has impacts. And, and for me, I've definitely felt it on my sleep on again, off again, sleep issues. What are, what are some low hanging fruit things folks can do <laughs> to sleep better? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's different for everyone. Right. Um, and I usually separate sleep into like, are you having trouble 
falling asleep or, or staying asleep. Um, and what I found a lot of in these last, I don't know what month we're in, four, <laughs> four or five, um, last four or five months of this pandemic is that a lot of people are, they're falling asleep okay because they're just exhausted, right? Mm. Um, but then they're waking up and then they can't fall back asleep and their mind is just going, going, going. Um, and so I think supplementation can help sometimes. I mean, obviously you talk to your doctor, but I'm a big fan of uh, magnesium, specifically magnesium glycinate, because that really helps to just like relax the nervous system, relax the mind, has no side effects. It's pretty safe for anybody to take. Um, and just to like take that before bed is really mm-hmm. helpful and it's inexpensive. Yeah. Um, sometimes people will need melatonin. Melatonin, you have to be careful. Um, but sometimes that's really helpful to take for a week or two just to kind of reset yeah. your body um, if you're having trouble sleeping. And then I think it's also just like ritual and routine. Yeah. And so that's been, a, especially in the beginning, it was a struggle for me. So I was like, oh, we're, <laughs> I'm just home, you know? And so we kind of lose those, those markers, right? From our beginning yeah. of our day, end of day. And so it just all blurs together. And so really like helping people, I work with health coaches as well that help people create that new ritual and routine because our bodies love that. You know, our inner, yeah. our inner kid might be like, no, no, I want to stay up late. And you're like, actually, <laughs> you need to like go to bed by 10 or 11. Um, And then the other thing that I've really been loving are blue light blocking glasses. Mm. Because I, probably like you too, like I'm on Zoom all day long. Yes. Um, And it's just like, the Zoom fatigue is so real. Um, Even though I'm grateful for it, but it's like, I don't, and then often we're like on Zoom all day and then we're watching Netflix or on our phones and our eyes just don't get a break. Yeah from those EMS and that can disrupt our sleep too. So that's really powerful. You've given me a lot of food for thought there. And that, that's, no, that's a ton of really poignant stuff for us to all sit with, I think. Um, and l- let's talk about gut health as well. Cause these are, I feel like these are the one, two punch of like, what are yeah. basic bodily functions that a lot of us <laughs> just kind of gloss past in our, in our own um, behavior. Mm-hmm. What, what are, what's again, what's some tips for really taking care of your gut the way we should be? Well, I think that, um, so in functional medicine, there's a term called leaky gut or intestinal permeability, which is essentially what can disrupt your immune system. And so there's a long, long list of things that can cause leaky gut, but I think stress is one of the biggest ones and we're all under stress. And so it's really, um, doing those things that, that bring you joy. And so they're different for all of us, but for some people it's, meditation, but that's not for everybody. For so, for other people, it's getting out in nature or, you know, having that FaceTime, you know, with your grandma or, or whatever it is, that's really going to really get you into your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest so that your body can heal because it can't heal when we're just all in fight or flight. Mm. And so, and so that's the, the one thing people can do. And there's so much we can't control in yeah. terms of the outside stressors, but we can do our best to tune in and really think, okay, what is going to relieve some of my stress today? Um, and then the other thing is um, that I will often recommend is probiotics. So probiotics, I mean, can be a little bit controversial and most people have heard of them. Um, and probiotics aren't something that you should be on for like ever and ever and ever, but sometimes yeah. it's helpful in, in this time 
um, especially to support your immune system and your gut health. When you, you know, to be honest, maybe you're not eating the cleanest diet that you normally would as you're, cause you're taking care of kids or like your routine is, is messed up. And so it's kind of like extra insurance. Um, yeah. And those are the two things that I think anybody can do to really support their microbiome outside of like eating a clean, healthy diet as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's super helpful tips there. In terms of nutrition and how it fits into the bigger picture of health, I mean, I have two questions. The first is <laughs> how, how much is nutrition taught in medical school? Because I've, I've heard takes that nutrition is either barely covered or rushed through, and that's kind of part of the issue here. Like how much do they talk about it when you're learning medicine? Um, back in the day, it's <laughs> like a long time ago, <laughs> I went to med school. I think it's still the same though now. Um, there was like a nutrition elective. Okay. You didn't even have to take it. I took it because I mean, I'm the daughter of a dietitian. I was like, oh no, this is like important. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think it may be like a required course, but it's like one to 2% of everything else that you learn, which is, you know, I hope that it changed. I hope that yeah. it changes in the future because the nutrition and what we eat and what we feed literally bathes our cells and, and tells our cells and genes like what to do. And so you're providing that information with every bite that you eat. Um, and so it can, you can either tell it something good or bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, in your work, have you come across any pretty common misconceptions folks have about nutrition? Um, I think the most common misconception is that if one say they like get on a keto diet, yeah. ketogenic diet, and they're like, "Oh, this is like awesome! I lost thirty pounds," and and then it's like, "Oh, I should stay on this forever," you know, without really like checking in and and checking with your doctor and and getting certain lab tests done and biomarkers to really see if that's still the best for your body. Um, yeah. And so I, I see that a lot. And you're like, oh, this diet is working for me. I'm like, is it though? <laughs> because like you're not sleeping or your skin's breaking out or what, you know, maybe it was, but to constantly like reassess and revisit just like you would anything else to check in. Yeah. You know, something I see as a huge trend these days, especially on social media and through influencers, which is its own kind of rabbit hole when it comes to health, yeah. is um, <laughs> these uh, adaptogens and supplements. You know, if you look at an average health influencer's feed, it's quite likely at some point you'll run into them plugging something like, like you said, magnesium or something mm -hmm. like ashwagandha. Mm -hmm. Can you help us unpack kind of the effectiveness versus just popularity of these things? Like, what are they actually doing for us? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're popular because they do work. I think, um, <laughs> so, you know, I think that there are a lot of people out there and I think that most people mean well. I, I truly do. Yeah. But I think you have to be careful when you're taking something without knowing if it was going to affect you. Like ashwagandha, for example, um, is a really powerful adaptogen. It's great for stress reduction. It's great to take before bed. But if you have a thyroid issue, it may flare your thyroid issue. And so some people, like you wouldn't know that, most people, unless you're working with a type of doctor that knows about medications and supplements and knows your history. Um, and so that's where it can get a little bit dangerous. And so I just encourage people, like if you hear about something, like always run it by someone that knows you. Yeah. Um, 
But in terms of like their efficacy, I mean, I've seen it make a big difference in people's lives. You just have to be careful. And then the other thing is sourcing, right? Yeah. Um, and so the, the supplements that I recommend, I mean, they're all professional grade, third party tested, you can only really get them from a doctor and there's yeah. a reason for that. Right. Um, yeah. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Well, cause, <laughs> no uh, cause the dietary supplement industry is, is widely unregulated, right? Very much so. The FDA is like, ah. yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I've listened to whole podcasts just about that and how the, how this industry became such um, such a wild west because mm -hmm. there there was at one time they were trying to regulate it and basically the the industry lobby groups created this very effective campaign that basically said they're trying to steal your vitamins or they, they're trying to take away your vitamins. It was like ludicrous PR in retrospect, yeah. but it worked. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so wild. yeah, I mean, anybody can really put out anything and yeah. and I. Like I said, I like to believe people mean well, but you just, as a consumer, you mm. should, it's on us really to be careful of what we're putting in our bodies. Yeah. So to someone that's thinking about taking a supplement uh, mm -hmm. or one of these adaptogens to up their health, you know, what's kind of a checklist of questions they should be asking before they just sign on to it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would really, really research. I mean, it's, it's easy to make like a really pretty looking website at this point. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so really research, um, if you don't have a doctor access to like a functional medicine type doctor to really look at the, the website, see if they have articles there that are not done by them, but are yeah. done by outside of their company. Um, that really show that it's efficacious. Um, you know, do they have like on their FAQs, like where they're sourcing this from? Like, that's what I would really look into. There are labels, um, NSF and USP on supplements that are over the counter. So that is an additional level. So you can also look for that if you're at, I don't know, CVS or Whole Foods, or, which is really helpful. Um, but yeah, that's what I would encourage people to look for. Like, do your research. Yeah. On the, on the note of research, you know, I've heard folks plug, for example, Google Scholar as a, a good place to actually vet kind of nutritional claims and studies. Mm -hmm. are, there, are there other places folks should be going to actually get legit information as opposed to just, you know, popular information about a health topic? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Google Scholar is good. PubMed is good if you, you know, like to read. I mean, it can be a little too sciencey for some people, but... I mean, that's where the research article is and you can like search yeah. for anything and it'll show you all the meta-analysis, reports. I mean, yeah, those are awesome. my go-to's. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'd be curious to hear a bit about how you walk the walk in your life, uh, particularly around food and grocery shopping. You know, it's something really yeah. top of mind for all of us at Imperfect is how do, <laughs> how do folks out there actually grocery shop these days? So I'd be curious to hear how are you grocery shopping these days and, you know, what are you cooking most frequently? Yeah, with my mask on. Um, <laughs> it's like a whole different experience, right? Yeah. Grocery shopping these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, I try to stay in my lane. You know, I'm, it's hard for me to turn off my doctor brain, even when I, you know, go to the grocery store and I, you know, you see people's carts, right? Yeah. Or, or I see people in the supplement aisle and I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever, have you ever confronted someone or do you, do you holster that instinct? It depends. It depends on where I am. Maybe I'm in a rush or like, but sometimes I'll just be like, do not, just do not buy that fish oil. And they're like, who are you? You look so young. Like you cannot be, I'm like, just, just trust me. Or I'll be like, choose this one, you know? Um, huh. 
But um, yeah, typically when I go to the grocery store, I mean, it's like a whole event, right? You have to plan um, because it takes so long. And so now I just try to get the, the foundationals. I don't cook as much as I used to. And I think it's, I love to cook, but I also like, I like to cook for other people. And so yes. it's kind of like me living alone, three meals a day. I'm like, you know, Granola's fine. I don't need to like make a three course meal. Um, so, I mean, some of my staples, I will always get like limes. Um, I love like sparkling mineral water, um, whatever is in season, like fruits and veggies. And I just kind of like stock up on that and protein. Um, and then I just like figure out what's for, for dinner. But yeah. Yeah. You brought up fish oil. I'm, I'm honestly curious. Uh, it yeah. is, do you have a hot take on fish oil? Is it something folks shouldn't be taking or, you know, what's your stance on it? Oh, no, I think it can be really helpful. I mean, most of us aren't getting enough omega-3s yeah. in our diet. Um, then there's the whole like sourcing of fish and sustainability, which is a whole other conversation, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think fish oil can be really helpful. I mean, it's anti-inflammatory. You just want to make sure you get a good brand because a lot mm. of them are, are rancid. Oh, really? And so fish oil is the one thing that, you know, you get what you pay for. Hmm. So the higher price fish oils are usually the ones that are better quality is what I tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, really good to know. You know, right now at this moment, like I mentioned in the intro, like people are stressing and obsessing about healthcare probably now more than ever before. I mean, yeah. I, I think any election cycle, it would be a big issue. I think right mm -hmm. now it is the issue to end all issues. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to hear your take on, you know, where do you hope to see the U.S. healthcare industry go in the future? Like what type of changes or developments would you want to see as a doctor? I think for me, you know, 2020 has been the year of just transformation, right? And, yeah. and pulling back things that we knew were, were issues before, you know, our healthcare system, um, equality, racism in America. But like now is a time where you can't ignore it. And you can't, I mean, you can choose to, but then it's like that, that's your decision, right? And I think in terms of healthcare, I think especially with this pandemic, it really shine like the brightest light on, on where we put value. Yeah. Um, and so, sorry, I'm like trying not to get too political here. And like, <laughs> but it's like, you know, and I have so many friends that are, on the front lines and doctors and nurses. Um, I do telemedicine, but I, you know, I have lots of friends that are on and just like hearing their stories of just like lack of resources and, and where we tend to put our money in this country. And so my hope is that this, these past six months will, will shine a light on that. And it's heartbreaking that people had to like lose their lives for this to like happen, but, but I'm so hopeful and optimistic that it'll be like, Hey, this is where we really need to focus to really have a healthcare system that is for everyone, regardless of what insurance they have or what their socioeconomic status is. I mean, because everybody deserves that and, yeah. and that we will, I think we've always in some ways value like our doctors and nurses and healthcare, but now it's just like, we, we can't sustain and be a healthy society without them. And so what are we really, really doing to support them um, without, you know, I mean, there's so many stories of, of doctors and just like burnout and, you know, even their mental health 
and even a suicide. Um, I heard one story and I was just, it was just like heartbreaking to me. And I was like, what are we doing yeah. to support the people that are taking care of us? And so I, I think with this, my hope is with the next election um, that things will kind of shift back and that policies will be put in place um, that will support the people that are providing the healthcare, but also the people that, you know, just us as Americans that need that healthcare and deserve that right. So, so we'll see, time will tell, but I, I know it's not an overnight process and it's, you know, many, many presidents have tried before. um, But this, this year feels different in so many ways. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I'd love to now, you know, get to some of our speed round closer questions here. Oh, goodness. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, are you ready? <laughs> I, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, okay. The, you're going to be great. The, the first <laughs> one is, is there anything you'd encourage folks listening to follow up with or explore in more depth on their own? Um, explore on depth on their own. I think maybe explore their relationship with rest. I yeah. think with the, the pandemic, we've all been kind of like forced to just like rest and go inward without all the usual distractions. And, and in some ways that's been good, but you can still like overschedule yourself. Right. So just like explore that relationship with rest and do you feel guilty for resting and just like go take a nap. I think maybe we'd all be better humans if we just all collectively like took a nap and then woke up and, <laughs> yeah. and got to it. So yeah, I would say that. Hundred percent. What's a positive change you made in your life in the past year that you think folks should try? Um, I have been doing since this pandemic as kind of my like end of day because I used to take public transportation from the office back home, and I was like, how do I like end my day? Um, and so I've been doing like these daily dance parties at the end really? of my day. It's just breezy. I just, I love it. And it's whatever music I'm in. It can be five minutes or 30 minutes. doesn't matter. But it's just like, I sit all day and it just like moves that energy and stagnation. And it's just like fun, right? And nobody's there. It's just me. Yeah. So. <laughs> that is delightful. That is quite possibly one of the best recommendations we've ever gotten from that question. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Definitely got to try that. Um, if you're cooking for somebody and you want to make them feel loved, what are you going to make for them? Mm. I will usually, I'm a huge fan of matcha. Mm-hmm. Anyone that knows me and they're just like, Tiffany and matcha, it's like in the same sentence. Um, so yeah, I think like making them like this cozy matcha latte. I have like this deluxe recipe. Um, just something like warm and inviting and we just like, you know, sit and have a conversation. Amazing. What ingredient could you not live without? Um, so it's kind of weird. Smoked salt, like it just makes everything taste better, you know. So I like, you know, like Beyonce has like hot sauce in her bag. Like I have like smoked salt just like carry with me (laughs) in my purse. Like no, no shade to the chef, but I just like, no, I might need it. So. That's a, that's a great recommendation. I feel the same way about smoked paprika. It just makes everything oh, so good. Yes. Yes. That's yep. a good one too. <laughs> awesome. And what is your least favorite thing to waste? Mm, probably time, time. I'm big about like, let's just maximize life, maximize the moment. Excellent. And per your dance party answer, I really need to know what is your, <laughs> what is your go-to dance song in the kitchen? Um, I, 
Like I grew up in the 80s, 90s. So like Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody is like always gets me going. Yeah, that's a great one. I used to work in a restaurant in SF and uh, one of the servers would always put that on when it was kind of time to clean up. Oh, I, I love that. I just have such positive vibes of that song of just kind of like, you know, group group cleaning, like getting the job yes. done. It just yes. gets you in that. You can't, you can't listen to that song by Whitney Houston without having a huge smile on your face, I think. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's, that's, that's an excellent pick. Um, who's somebody you admire tremendously and what do you admire about them? Um... I don't know if it's one person at the moment. I would say I really admire just black people right now, honestly, as, as, as a culture and just our, our joy and our resilience to just keep showing up um, despite everything and to, to make this country a better place right yeah. now. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Uh, finally, uh, what are you grateful for this week? Oh, so much. Um, but I would say I, I am grateful for this present moment. I really try to be in the present moment in this conversation um, and to stay in that as much as possible. Later, I'll be at the beach, so I'll be grateful for that. But at this <laughs> moment, just for this, this conversation with you and um, hoping that people that listen will, in that present moment that they're in, will... We'll get something out of it. Yeah. Wow. Thanks so much. That's a lovely note to end on. <laughs> Tiffany Lester, thank you so much for joining us today. And where can folks learn more about you and the work that you do? Um, you can find me a couple places. I pretty much live on Instagram right now. That's my jam. So Dr. Tiffany Lester. Um, I have a website that has just kind of like archives of articles I've written, interviews like this, podcasts. Um, and then if people are looking to work with someone like me or me, I, I see patients out of California, um, but I work at Parsley Health and we have, we see patients all over the country. So we have a virtual option. So no matter where you are, wherever you're listening to this, you know, I encourage you if, if you feel called to, to seek out a doctor that's really going to like hear you and listen to you. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you for that. We'll have links to everything we talked about today in the show notes and on our new content website. That's the wholecarrot.com where this podcast and all of our podcast episodes will live. So definitely check that out when you have a chance. Tiffany Lester, thanks so much. This is such a fun conversation. Thank you. Thank you.